Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I'm the pastor of Elevation Church, and this is our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so we can get you these new sermons every week. I hope you're blessed today. Today, I would like to dedicate my sermon to a very special group of women. I've never dedicated a sermon before, but today's sermon is dedicated to all the mothers of teenage boys. Well, all the mothers of teenage boys, just lift your hand, hold it up real high in the chat. You can even tell us your son's name and age in the chat. No, I'm serious. If you're a mom of teenage boys, I wanna see your hand. Everybody look around. We need your prayer. Keep your hand up high. Everybody look. Pray for us. Parenting teenage boys is no joke. Here's a picture of me, me and my boys. All right, so that's Elijah um, on the, well, I don't know, I guess he's on the right. Um, I'm so bad at directions. Uh, Elijah's the older one. He is 17 and he had just finished all of his schoolwork this week. He is graduating high school and I just, I'm on the stage so I get to say whatever I want. I'm just gonna mom brag for a second. This boy is graduating with a high school diploma and an AA in business at the same time. And he's gonna be heading off to college in the fall. And I don't know if I'm sad or excited about that. I'm both. Um, And then Graham is 15 and um, he's just finishing up his freshman year. Just for fun, here's an old picture of us. Keep it up there for a second. Let me tell you something about these two little boys. They ate my lunch every day, (laughs) literally and figuratively. They were wild. From the minute their little feet hit the floor, they were jumping and running and wrestling constantly. And taking family pictures with them, it's like this weird form of self-inflicted torture. So, okay, here's, a, here's another one. And um, one more. Here they are today. Not much has changed. <laughs> I was not prepared for the energy of boys. And I wasn't prepared that my husband was going to like encourage it and just, just, I grew up in a house with my mom and my dad and my two sisters. And in our house, tears and estrogen ruled. (laughs) And now those wild little boys are young men. And and here I am, I just have to say that this whole testosterone, weightlifting, protein eating situation, (laughs) it's, it's just enlightening for me. This is why we need your prayers. I shared this story when we were on tour this spring, but not too long ago, our middle son, Graham, told me. He came in the kitchen and we were talking and he said that he was constantly sizing himself up against every person that crosses his path. And he told me when he sees someone, he thinks, would I win in a fight against that guy? (laughs) And then he said, mom, do you ever do that? 
I'm like, are you expecting a fight to break out at any moment? Is this what boys think? This is news to me. And then Graham, he kept talking. He said something that really spoke to me. He said, and then um, I just decide that if I wouldn't win in a fight, I pretty much always know that my dad could take them. (laughs) So today I want to talk to you about sudden strength. If you've been in church with us the past few weeks, you know that we have been looking at the life of David through the lens of Psalm 34 and the events that inspired David to write that Psalm. Two weeks ago, we learned about ugly trust. And can I just say, like, I don't know if you put two and two together that week, but that particular week, Stephen preached in arenas all over the Midwest eight times in 10 days. And then he came home and continued to pour out something fresh to us. That's when he preached ugly trust. And then the next week we learned about delayed praise. And on top of both of these insanely amazing messages, they were centered around a song that he wrote for our church. Can we just take a minute to thank God for the feast that our pastor labors to bring to us every single week? Amazing. He pours and he pours and he pours. And he ministers to me every week as I know he does to you too. So ugly trust, delayed praise, and now sudden strength. Because the truth is, sometimes an unexpected fight does break out. Not a fist fight, but maybe a fight for your marriage, a fight for your health, a fight for your child. And you find yourself sizing yourself up against what you are facing. And today, I want to talk about the sudden strength that can be yours when you realize that you have a heavenly Father who is backing you up. And when you combine His power in you with the weapons that He has given you, you can take whatever you find yourself up against. Can we talk about this today? All right, so turn in your Bible to our passage for today, which is 1 Samuel chapter 30. And while you're turning there, I want us to slow down and I wanna bring you up to speed on where we are in David's life because David's story is extensive. David is one of the most important characters in the Bible. And sometimes we come and we drop down in a passage of scripture and we preach to you and you don't know like, okay, I know David, but like, is this before Goliath or is this after Bathsheba? Like, where does this come in his story? So a little bit of backstory, don't worry. I'm really good at giving backstory. Sometimes uh, I've had to learn because people don't like the story before the story, but I'm gonna give it to you quick, okay? So David was anointed to be king when he was a 15-year-old boy tending sheep in his father's field. Not long after that, he defeated Goliath And then he lived as a part of Saul's court. That's where David became best friends with the king's son, Jonathan. 
But then the king began to get jealous of David and he wanted to kill him. So he had to flee to the wilderness. And eventually David has gathered a small army for himself of about 600 men who are following him and who are protecting him. And they're constantly on the run from Saul and his army. And it's getting more and more dangerous. So David and his men, they settle all the women and children in a town called Ziklag. And then David, as our pastor told us, does the next best thing that he knows to do. And he and his men flee to the enemy territory of the Philistines to work as mercenaries. And that is where Pastor Stephen left us off last week, all right? Now we come to 1 Samuel chapter 30, and it says this. Now, when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive all the women and all who were in it, both great and small. They killed no one, but they carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and they wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. All this time, David has been running from Saul and living in the Philistine territory. And he finally returns home to see his family. And he finds that an enemy that he didn't see coming has burned their town to the ground and has taken his family. And he is devastated. And so are his men. And the men are looking for someone to blame, as we often do when we find ourselves in despair. And David is all alone. Jonathan's not there to protect him. Abigail's not there to encourage him. Samuel, the prophet, is not there to remind him of his calling. And everyone near and dear to him is gone. And his men are plotting to kill him. We're watching David in one of his lowest moments. He's tired. He's depleted. He's scared. And what does he do? How does he get up and do the next best thing again? As we've seen him do over and over in his story. Verse six tells us, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. What do you do when you need sudden strength and no one is there to help you? Sometimes you got to strengthen yourself. So David gathers every ounce of strength that he has left, which he doesn't feel like is very much. And he uses that strength to seek God. Look what he does next. And David said to a, a, be, a oh man, I practice how to say this word, you guys. It's Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David and David inquired of the Lord. Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? David had to get his next 
step from God. He didn't have a pity party. He didn't avoid the situation by hiding or numbing. He didn't go into one of his caves. He didn't turn around and blame his men. Well, you guys, we should have left someone here. To he didn't take a vote from them. He cried until he had no tears left to cry. And then when he could, he mustered all of the strength that he had and he took his pain and his confusion and his fear right into the presence of God and he sought the Lord. When we experience a difficult situation, we have two choices. We can wonder why or we can ask what next? There is a time to grieve and to mourn and even a time to be angry and confused. But at some point, you have to move on with it. And I wanna tell you, the pain will most likely still be there no matter what you do. Stay in it, move on. The pain's going to be there. But I don't know about you, I find in my life, when I sit in my pain for too long, I get stale and I get bitter and nobody wants to be around me. But when I drag my pain to the feet of Jesus, sometimes over and over again, when I seek God, he answers. Now, sometimes he doesn't answer the way I hope that he will. Sometimes he says, stay when I wanna go. Sometimes he says, forgive when I wanna hold on to that hurt. Sometimes he says, stop. And here in this case, God responds to David with a call to action. God said, pursue the enemy. David, they're not dead. Go and get them back. And David set out, the Bible tells us, along with his 600 men to go and get them back. There will always be times in your life when the only person who can strengthen yourself is you. If you wanna have big muscles, you're gonna have to lift heavy weights, right? My boys have taught me you also have to eat lots of protein and sometimes drink powdery drinks. No one can exercise for you. The only way for you to get strong is to get up again and again and again, even when you're tired of getting up. So let's talk about tired for a second because David is exhausted. He's been living in enemy territory, which you can imagine would be stressful. And he's traveled three days to come home to his family. And, and what, is, what, what do you think he's planning? Like this whole three-day trip, he's planning on feasting and relaxing and hugging his wife and playing with his kids. And he arrives home only to find them stolen by an enemy that he didn't see coming for so long. He'd been running from Saul that he left himself vulnerable in another area of his life. And now he's just blindsided by it. And so he wept until he had no strength left to weep. And then he got up and he sought the Lord and God tells him to do something that I'm guessing he didn't really wanna do. He wanted God to bring him back. God said, go after them. 
He said, you will recover everything that was taken. So on tired legs, David and his men set out to get back what was theirs. And they had to travel fast because they're having to catch up to the enemy. And the story goes on to tell us that they were so exhausted that 200 of the men stopped. They're like, we can't go any further. But David had to keep going because if he didn't, he was going to lose everything. And so David and the 400 remaining men, they finally catch up to the Amalekite camp, not to just have a little talk with them, but they have to fight now. And they arrive to the battle tired. Just wondering, is anybody in this room tired today? Raise your hand. It's okay. Raise your hand. All right. You might be sleepy. You might just be tired of it. But look around. Raise your hand again if you're tired. We're all tired. (laughs) Tired is a part of life. Now, some of us are stupid tired. (laughs) Like perhaps you're a teenage boy and you stayed up till 4 a.m. playing Fortnite or whatever game of your choice. And now you're in church with your mom (laughs) and you're trying to stay awake. Maybe you're tired because it's May and it's the end of the school year and you have all of the end of your programs and parties and teacher gifts and final exams and making sure your kids cross the finish line and you've way overscheduled yourself this year. Anybody in here that kind of tired? Some of you are legitimately tired with no end in sight. Maybe you're a single mom on Mother's Day with no help, and you go every day from the time your eyes open in the morning until the time your head hits the pillow at night. It's important to recognize when you're tired and why you're tired, and it's important to evaluate your schedule and even to learn and to ask for help when you need help, and, it, and we need rest in our lives. We do. We need times of rest and Sabbath and all of those wonderful things. But you know what I've learned in 20 plus years of being a grown up? I even get tired on vacation. I'm serious. Like for me, I don't know what what it's like when you wake up in the morning, but if I get five hours of sleep or nine hours of sleep, when I open my eyes in the morning, I don't want to wake up. I'm still tired. And I don't want to sleep my life away. I want to stop being surprised that I'm tired. <laughs> tired is a part of being a grown up. It is no longer an excuse to not get done what needs to get done. Babies sleep when they're tired, grown ups sleep when the day is done. Some of the most defining moments in my life happened when I was tired, when I pushed through and came out on the other side. And perhaps the biggest lesson that I have had to learn in my life is that tired is a part of it every day. So we've got to learn how to fight when we're tired. Because if you wait until you feel 100%, you're never going to get back what has been stolen from you. (laughs) Guys, David was tired. 
not 15 minutes tired, not I stayed up too late last night tired. He was 15 years tired of fighting a physical battle against Saul and a mental battle against himself, constantly wondering if God was really going to do what he said that he was going to do through David if, or if Saul was just going to eventually get him. There is a real enemy out there and he wants you to be too tired to fight back for the things that he has stolen from you. He wants you to give up on the calling that God has placed on your life, but you can't stop short of the victory that God has for you. Look at Ephesians 6. I know many of you just finished studying Ephesians. This was my favorite part. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Now listen to these verses because they're kind of scary if you really read them. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, he says it again, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Paul is not talking about a fight for us to take new ground. Jesus's work on the cross won the victory against sin and death. Salvation is ours. We don't have to fight for that. We receive that by grace through faith. But just because we receive salvation doesn't mean that there is not still a very real enemy. And he is going to do everything he can. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. And we are fighting against spiritual forces in realms that we don't see. Things that you don't even know about. Stuff that you would read in a fantasy book, Abby. Demons and, 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 and spiritual forces that are battling for your soul. And if he can't take your salvation, he's going to blindside you. He's going to take your peace. His job is to get you focused on how tired you are. You've been fighting for your marriage for years. He's going to do everything he can to get you to give up on it. He wants you to be too tired to get your joy back. He wants you to be too tired to get your confidence back. And if he can take those things from you, you will live your life saved, but in defeat. And he won. As believers in Christ though, we're not fighting in our own power. That's the amazing thing. Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's his mighty power that is at work on the inside of you. But sometimes you got to get up. If you want to activate God's power in your life, you got to move. You got to seek him again and again and again. You got to arm yourself so that you can stand against the enemy. Don't give in. Don't let him win. Keep fighting even when you're tired. So David and his men fought the battle against the Amalekites. And the Bible says that it lasted a full 24 hours. 
That's how long they had to fight. And look what happened though. Verse 18, David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken. And David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether great or small, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. Every tiny little piece of jewelry that was stolen, David brought back all. Look at this one. David also captured all the flocks and herds, and the people drove the livestock before him and said, this is David's spoil. Skip down to verse 26. When David came to Ziklag, he sent part of the spoil to his friends, the elders of Judah, saying, here's a present for you from the spoils of the enemies of the Lord. Somehow, when you fight tired, you push through the longest battle of your life, you're going to come away with spoils, leftovers. There's nothing Stephen Furtick loves to eat more than good leftovers. So when I cook something good, like I know he loves this meal, I cook extra, I plan for leftovers. When you fight for something in your life, I'm here to tell you, you can plan for leftovers. When you fight to get your peace back, you're gonna have enough to share with those around you. When you feel your joy slipping away and you're tired, but you take the time to write in your gratitude journal and you stay focused on the faithfulness of God, you better bet that you're gonna have joy overflowing to the people around you. When you feel your confidence slipping, but you fight back, you find your verses, you put it on post-it notes, you remind yourself of who you are in Christ, you're gonna look up and your middle school daughter is gonna be more confident too. You are equipped for this fight. The weapons are there. They're in your hands. Ephesians 6 goes on to say, remember Paul said several times, put on the full armor of God. And he goes on to tell us, you have the belt of truth. You have the breastplate of righteousness. Your feet are fitted with the gospel of peace. The helmet of salvation is on your head. And in one hand, you've got the shield of faith. And in the other hand, you've got the sword of the spirit. You're equipped for this fight. He's given you everything you need. The victory is yours for the taking. You got to take it. God said, go back. Get what is rightfully yours. You have the weapons in your hands. And so David went back and he brought back all that was taken from him with leftovers to share. So this week, I've been talking with Stephen about what I felt like God was wanting me to say today. Of course, I'm going to talk to Stephen Verdig about preaching, right? I mean, he lives in the house with me. So we've been talking about it on and off and um, about David. And I was telling him, you know, I just love this idea of how David strengthened himself. And so it was kind of an ongoing conversation. And a couple days later, he came from upstairs and he said, babe, you are not going to believe what I just read. And so he showed me this verse in First Chronicles, and I'm telling you, my heart leapt. Neither of us had ever seen this verse before. I got to show it to you. So before I show it to you, I just have to say, this is in Chronicles. So we're jumping ahead to the end of David's life. He's finally become king, and he wanted to build the Lord's temple, 
but he only got to make plans for the temple because God had chosen Solomon, David's son, to build the temple. So in this passage, David is giving one of his final speeches to Israel as their king. He's an old man. And he turns to Solomon and he gives him this charge to build the temple. First Chronicles 28, 10, it says, "'Consider now,' David says to Solomon, "'for the Lord has chosen you "'to build a house as the sanctuary. "'Be strong and do the work.'" David's looking his son in the eyes and he's speaking to him from experience. He knew that his strength began with his identity, that from the age of 15, God had chosen him and anointed him and equipped him for every part of the journey, every battle that he would have to fight. David knew from experience that there would be moments where Solomon would feel worn out by the burden of leadership that he would feel discouraged and he would feel disappointment and he would feel alone and that there would be many days where Solomon would feel like he didn't have the strength to do what he'd been chosen to do. And just as David looked in Solomon's eyes, I wanna look at each one of you today, whether you're watching from here at Ballantyne or one of our locations, or maybe you're sitting in a hospital room or maybe you're in your bed because you didn't have the strength to get up and come to church today. Listen to me. The Lord has chosen you. Be strong and do the work. He's chosen you to raise that special needs child. Be strong and do the work. He's chosen you to care for your ailing father. Be strong and do the work. He's placed you in this school or in this apartment building, in this job, and there is work to be done. Be strong and do the work. All the steps are right there. Put the verse back up. Okay, consider now. Just stop, let it really sink in. The Lord has chosen you. For what? What's the assignment? Build a house as a sanctuary, build a temple. Paul said, our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is inside of you. You were bought with a price. You don't have to live in defeat. You're backed by a heavenly father who is strong and mighty, and he has given you the power of his spirit inside of your temple. So build the temple and be strong. That's the part where you talk to yourself when no one else is there. That's the part where you coach yourself. Be strong, Holly. Be strong and do the work. Guys, this is my new life motto. I am going to shout it from the mountaintops. You're gonna see it on my Instagram and my YouTube. I'm gonna put it on next year's Mother's Day mug. <laughs> Be strong and do the work. How do I keep going? Be strong and do the work. Strength comes as you go. So get up, move, get out of bed, do the work. 
that you have been given to do today. Take the kids to school. Get to work on time. Go to the soccer game. Pay the bills. Read your Bible. Play worship music. Practice breathing. Forgive over and over again. Be strong and do the work. Build your temple. The only temple you can build is yours. So stop trying to build your husband's temple. Stop trying to build your child's temple. Build your temple. Make it good. Make it strong. Give it a good foundation. Be strong and do the work that he has chosen you to do. Your work, not my work, your work. But I'm not strong. Do the work. The strength that you're going to need tomorrow is in the work that you're doing today. When we go on tour with Elevation Nights, there's a part of the experience where I go on stage and I do a little welcome. And I have to say, this is never easy for me. I don't know about you, but speaking to 10,000 people at one time, is pretty much the most intimidating thing that a person can do. And there are many times that just as I'm about to walk on the stage, I think to myself, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> and the first night is always the hardest. So this past tour, no exception. Only this time I decided that um, every time I had the thought, I really don't want to do this, I was going to pray a little prayer that my husband taught me. At the beginning of this year, he started writing these little short prayers and confessions, and he would share them with me and our kids. And one particular one that he shared with me really stuck with me. I think he might've said it in one of his sermons. I know he posted it on his YouTube for one of his Basin teachings. By the way, if you're not watching those Basin videos, you're really missing out. So if you did see it, just for the record, he taught it to me first. Anyway, here's how it goes. It goes like this. I breathe you in, Holy Spirit. And your strength comes suddenly. And your peace fills me completely. So I stood side stage. And just as they were finishing the song, Jaira, under my breath, I prayed the prayer. I breathe you in, Holy Spirit. And I looked out at all those people. I said, and your strength comes suddenly and your peace fills me completely. And I walked onto the stage feeling pretty good. And as I was opening my eyes, finishing my prayer, my notes were not on the screen. <laughs> Listen, my last name is Furtick, but my first name is not Stephen. And if you think that I get up on the stage and I'm like winging it, you're wrong. <laughs> and that black screen was one of my worst fears come true. And for eight minutes, do you know how long eight minutes is? <laughs> for eight minutes, I stood on that stage and talked to 10,000 people with no notes. And let me just say, I don't know, you weren't there, so you might not want to clap. 
Let me just say, I, they said that I seemed, that I was calm and a lot of people said really nice things to me, but I think they were just trying to make me feel better. On the outside, I'm not sure how I appeared, but on the inside, I was freaking out. Like I, you know that fight or flight thing? I, I, was, I was trying my best to remember what I had planned to say. And re- I mean, I've said it, I don't know, probably, this is probably like 24, my 25th time. I say almost the same thing every time, but I don't remember what it was. So I'm trying to remember and, and I'm trying to say the things that I'm supposed to say and, and the things that I felt God had laid on my heart. And all the while, my mind was screaming, get off this stage. Abort mission. Just pray and leave. Just pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Holly, just get off the stage. But I didn't. And I finally finished. I mean, it was like eight hours, I think. And I prayed and I exited the stage and I got off the stage and I was physically shaking from head to toe. I just, I've never felt like that before. Even as I'm telling you about it, I feel nervous in my stomach and I feel shaky in my hands. And I just have to say to you, strength came suddenly. Even though it wasn't exactly the strength that I was envisioning when I prayed the prayer side stage. Here's the crazy part. The next night, I was filled with even more fear. Like, I really did not want to get on that stage. Like, all the money in the world, I did not want to get on that stage. In fact, they were having to move some stuff around in the set list. And (laughs) I volunteered more than once for them to just cut my part. True story. I was like, just just take my part out. It's fine. They they just want to sing, rattle, and hear from Pastor Steve. They don't need me. 24 hours later, there I was (laughs) doing the work. And John Sal was singing Jaira, and I was standing at the steps, and I prayed. I breathe you in, Holy Spirit. And your strength comes suddenly and your peace fills me completely. I walked up on the stage. I did my work with the notes that time. (laughs) Sometimes every moment is a choice. I'm going to get out of bed today. I'm going to take a shower now. I'm going to take care of my family. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to get out of my car, go into my job. Remember what David said? I will bless the Lord at all times. Listen, just because you have to fight doesn't mean you aren't strong. And it certainly doesn't mean that you aren't called. In fact, the opposite is true. You got to fight for your calling. So be strong and do the work. Be strong and do the work. I was going to say one more time. Be strong and do the work. Just a few weeks ago, Stephen and a few others got together and they put that prayer into a song. Of course he did. 
And um, he told me that we could close the message by introducing this song to our church. So normally I close my messages with a prayer and I get off the stage. <laughs> but today, I just wanna look you in the eyes as best as I can through this camera. And I wanna tell you, as a mother would to her own children, be strong and do the work. You can do this. You're not alone. You're not unqualified. You're not ill-equipped. Be strong and do the work. All right, repeat after me. I breathe you in, Holy Spirit. Take a deep breath. And your strength comes suddenly. Take another breath. And your peace fills me completely. Elevation Nights is coming your way. It's a special night for us to worship our amazing God together and expect great things in His presence. I'll be preaching a message. I'm bringing Elevation Worship. We'll be singing all your favorite songs. And of course, Holly is coming with me too. We're believing that your faith is going to be inspired like never before. Go get your tickets right now at elevationnights.com. We'll see you there. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, make sure to share it and subscribe so we can get you all of these new messages as soon as they're available. I also wanna take a moment and thank all of you who are a part of Elevation. Whether you support us financially or serve with us or just share these messages, it's because of you that we're able to reach people all around the world. And if you want more information on how to be a part of Elevation, click the link in the description. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to leave a review, share the message, and subscribe. God bless you.